Coming up on We Talk News this week, New York City cracks down on unlicensed infused food trucks in Times Square. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker continues to lead the movement towards expungement of records, but is it at the expense of safe banking for the industry? And the Teamsters is recruiting cannabis employees in Illinois, while Michigan shakes up their flourless products and increases total THC content allowed in edibles. All that and state-by-state cannabis reports from coast to coast on We Talk News with Elena Pinto. Hi, everyone. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and welcome to Weed Talk News. While members of Congress mull over legislation about federal cannabis reform, one key senator says there's a big bill that's just not cutting it. It's the Safe Banking Act. This would give federal protection to financial institutions that work with state legal cannabis businesses. Members of the Cannabis Regulators of Color Coalition have written a letter to Congress issuing 10 specific recommended amendments to the bill in order to address social equity. Senator Cory Booker released a statement this week in support of the group's letter, saying in part, Legislation like safe banking requires changes to ensure that the communities most harmed by our broken marijuana policies receive support. So while advocates are calling for changes to that safe banking bill before it passes, Congress is also feeling pressure from state regulators to get the legislation passed. Washington state is one of many whose leaders are now calling on Congress to pass financial cannabis reform. And Josh Kincaid explains in this week's Washington Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Washington state officials are still urging Congress to pass the Safe Banking Act. The lack of banking services threatens public safety due to the reliance on cash transactions. Cannabis retailers have been targeted by armed robbers. Earlier this year, there was a man that was killed by working at a retail store and clerks have been shot at, beaten while on the job. And and during uh, 2022, more than 50 armed robberies of state licensed cannabis retailers were reported. So back in 2012, Washington was one of the first states to legalize adult use cannabis. With 10 years of legal retail sales now complete, Washington's system has matured in all, but one critical aspect is access to federally insured banking services and electronic payment processing. Earlier this year, the governor and the attorney general penned a joint op-ed calling on Congress to act. And together with the treasurer and lieutenant governor, They followed with a letter recently to key leaders in Congress. And even more recently, the state's Liquor and Cannabis Board Director of Enforcement and Education joined federal legislators for a briefing organized by the U.S. Cannabis Council. At the briefing, they unveiled new TV ads highlighting the urgency of congressional action on the Safe Banking Act. The act would give cannabis retailers more options to accept credit card and debt transactions with customers reducing the cash on hand and hopefully resulting in a reduction of robberies. We'll keep you posted. Next week, you guys will find out more about the Washington cannabis scene. With that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Missouri could become the first state to pass a voter-led effort to help prisoners of pot. Voters in the Show Me State are discussing spearheading what's called automatic expungement on their own. 
potentially voting for legislation that would require courts to automatically forgive past cannabis crimes. Missouri correspondent Brandon Jones has more from the Show Me State. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven for the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And yeah, the, we are trying to get local citizens to put spear forward this effort to get automatic expungement. The biggest reason is because the new uh, uh, bill put on ballot here in November that we're going to vote on does not call for automatic expungement. It also has a couple of different stipulations that will still keep you uh, in prison. And the biggest uh, concern for people uh, supporting the bill is it says the judge has the ability for good cause for denial. So no one has really defined what good cause is. And so at that point, uh, there's no really precedent. So any judge should kind of deny that expungement just because of the way that they feel about the particular uh, person in that, in that case. So that's one of the main reasons that they're trying to find a way to get automatic expungement to happen here. Uh, like we talked about the ballot uh, being put on in November, there's a couple other uh, things that people have read the fine line, you know, the fine print since it's been since August 11th that uh, it's been passed. So uh, one of the major things is the people obviously that get licenses is very important. So uh, they're going to give the recreational license to those already that have medical license in the problem that people have with that is there was a lot of issues with the reports and how those people actually got those licenses in the first place and then how little uh, minorities we have we only have one minority company uh here so far and so they're worried about you know how are we going to get more minority companies as well into here so uh there's a couple things that we talked about expungement licenses on the ballot that are a big thing and yes we are very very uh just people forward here there's a lot of people on the grassroots just trying to make things happen to get all the people that are in cannabis are in jail for cannabis out so very proud of the people here in missouri just trying to spearhead it themselves so again i'm brandon jones from distribution maven of the missouri cannabis report the weed talk news have a great week everybody new rules are now in place for massachusetts cannabis industry last week governor charlie baker signed a new cannabis compromise bill into law which designates funds for social equity applicants in the industry and sets up the framework for cannabis cafes the governor only removed one controversial section from the bill a proposal to conduct a study on medical cannabis use in students during school days Meanwhile, the Bay State's cannabis scene is booming as more companies take root in the area. We Talk News producer is on scene with Air Wellness this week to take us on a tour to get lit. What's up, guys? It's Tori Chamberlain for Weed Talk News coming at you from somewhere in Milton, Massachusetts, where I just got to spend the afternoon with Air Wellness and the Lit team on the Get Lit Tour. So the afternoon started in Watertown at the company's new adult use and medical dispensary. We got to meet the co-founders of Lit and pick up some of their new flower for just a penny an eighth and talk about some great new strains, uh, some of which haven't even been named yet. How cool is that? Then we traveled to an undisclosed location in Milton where we got to check out the Air Wellness and Sierra Naturals new cultivation facility. There, we got to see the dry rooms, the grow rooms, everything the team is building out, and even got to talk with the Massachusetts head cultivator. Normal people don't get to touch genetics like this. Like, these are so unique that, you know, in the entire time I've been in the industry, like, I've never really worked with these kind of crosses. So, having the ability to do so and then having direct contact with the breeder himself, like, that's a, that's a paradise for a cultivator. We've been trying to create lots of different cultivars that actually will work for this sort of 
you know, sort of commercial cultivation, right? And so uh, it's great to see guys that are actually performing and hitting, you know, the, the right sort of standards that we all look for in cannabis. And you guys really are. The air wellness lit and sierra natural teams continue to build their expansion in the bay state with this new cultivation facility that's not even open to the public yet but i got to take an inside look and let me tell you with this place having 16 massive cultivation rooms inside it's definitely going to be a sight to see and then we traveled all together over to Worcester to the Summit Lounge because what is a good get lit party without actually getting lit and celebrating at the end of the night? So if you're out at shops in Massachusetts, whether it's Air Wellness or somewhere else, keep an eye out for that lit flower and try it for yourself. For now, I'm Weed Talk News producer Tori Chamberlain reporting in Milton. See you next time. New guidelines have been set in Michigan for smokeless THC products like edibles and drinks, mainly by distinguishing new categories for oils and tinctures as well. The board chair for the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association says the distinction will help companies avoid legal trouble. And the new regulations also double the amount of THC allowed in an adult use edible package to 200 milligrams, bringing recreational products more in line with medicinal ones. Michigan Normal Executive Director Rick Thompson has more from that state this week. Hello again, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Instead of several stories today, we'll focus on just one story the current situation in Michigan's cannabis marketplace. Recently, we told you about store closures from some of the state's most well-financed cannabis retail and cultivation organizations, and there's more of that to report. Several social media posts have indicated a second wave of firings at Common Citizen has taken place, and that's bad news for those who are counting on those cannabis industry jobs. Jazz Cabbage Cafe on Tuesday had a special episode dedicated to those people displaced by the recent industry contraction. You can catch that one on YouTube, on the Facebook page, or of course on Pro Cannabis Media's television stations. Current reports from the Cannabis Regulatory Agency indicate July was a record-setting month for cannabis sales, but also provided further evidence of the decline of the medical market in Michigan. The overall sales numbers had regulated market cannabis sales in July at nearly 210 million of which only 10% was medical, and that number continues to shrink. Per ounce pricing continues its decline with medical sales at $110 per ounce and adult use at $121 per ounce. Now, just a few months ago, people thought $150 an ounce was the market's bottom line. It wasn't. Our problems continue to get worse though as the adult use industry now has 1.35 million cannabis plants under lights and the medical industry has another 500,000 plants growing. Yeah, that's right. Our Michigan cannabis industry now has about 1.85 million cannabis plants under regulated market cultivation. Here's another tough statistic. The number of pounds of cannabis on the market in Michigan. Now currently, retailers in both medical and adult use are holding about 82,500 pounds of cannabis flower. And that's a lot, but consider that cultivators and processors are holding 246,000 extra pounds of flower that's already passed testing and is being packaged or prepared for market. Now that's a quarter million pounds. 
and those figures do not include flash frozen or infused liquids or infused solids or concentrates. So to summarize, there's a lot of cannabis on the market. Lots more cannabis is coming. Not many new retail stores are opening, and that means greater competition for retail shelf space. Earlier this year, I reported on a trend in California where shelf space in retail stores is being rented to cannabis brands. Some places in Michigan are rumored to have begun this predatory behavior, which may make retailers more profitable, but it places an additional hardship on the cultivators and processors who put out those cannabis brands, and it will absolutely disproportionately affect the smaller brand names. The increased competition on retail shops provides incentives for some companies to cheat at the game, and there are many ways to do that. THC inflation is the most obvious culprit, and that form of cheating seems to be creeping into more than one cannabis testing company in our state. Shorting the customer on their products is another form of cheating, making those 0.7 gram joints a 0.6 doobie without relabeling, or offering a 3.25 gram eighth instead of a 3.5 gram eighth. Cheating can also come in advertising, where the rules state pricing can't be mentioned in your ad, but if you do, the CRA just gives you a phone call warning. A tough market makes for a vicious marketplace, and nice guys don't always finish first when the sharks are running the show. Just ask former director Andrew Brisbow about how vicious this regulatory marketplace can be. But now, the good news. Our industry just set a new in-state sales record. There's more players in the industry, which means more opportunities for those ancillary industries. The Michigan Cannabis Industry Association just announced they have now over 400 members, and their summer annual retreat this past week was a rocking success. This weekend's Canna Cantina and Blues Brothers cannabis-themed events will also be very successful. Huge conventions like CannaCon and the Benzinga conferences continue to remind us Michigan is not only firmly on the national map, we are the center of the national map, and our market dominance is not going away anytime soon. Now, it is right that we pay attention to the troubles and the tribulations of the industry and community that we love so much, but those doom and gloom discussions should be tempered with both optimism and hope. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. Another state looking at changes is Colorado, but not with regulations. For the first time ever, the state is reporting a downward trend in sales. Colorado made national waves when it legalized recreational cannabis all the way back in 2014. And ever since then, their cannabis industry has been on the upswing. That is until now. One of the biggest fears is that if a downward trend continues, state taxes that go to things like public schools will fall short. We'll keep an eye on what happens in Colorado. But for now, let's check in with Deborah Borchardt for this week's Green Market Report. I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is the business update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. Earnings season is still upon us. This week, Cresco Labs reported approximately $218 million in revenue during the period. The company also reported that it has maintained its position as the number one cannabis wholesaler in the country. Now, not doing so well is Greenlane, who delivered $39.9 million in total revenue during the quarter. That fell 
from $46.5 million in the previous quarter. The company also said it was looking to decouple from its cannabis packaging company, Kushco, which it merged with not long ago. Now, conspicuously absent from the company's earnings statement was CEO Nick Kovacevic, who had been the CEO at Kushco before taking on the role at Greenlane. Also turning in a disappointing number was Jay-Z's cannabis company, The Parent Co., who reported about $27.4 million in revenue. That was a 27% drop from last year. And the company also had a net loss of $30 million, and that's on top of last quarter's net loss of $33 million. Now, if you need total coverage of this week's earnings, head to the Green Market Report for more detailed reporting. And I'm Deborah Porchart, and this has been your business update for We Talk News. A battle over cannabis in the South. Some advocates for adult use cannabis in Arkansas say they are willing to wait two more years to potentially transition from a medical only state to adult use. That's because some activists say the current Arkansas adult use cannabis amendment is simply a money grab for already established medical businesses. And they want to see more inclusive legislation before taking it to the polls. And next door in Tennessee, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Jason Martin is calling on his state to go green, tweeting this week, while our neighbor Arkansas is on track to bring in $60 million in funds for communities as a result of legalizing cannabis, Tennessee continues to criminalize small drug offenses and lets the cartels maintain control. Legalizing cannabis is simply common sense. Couldn't agree more. Now let's travel north to the Keystone State. Here's Claudia Post with this week's update from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. The Pennsylvania General Assembly has spent a lot of time in committee discussing whether to legalize recreational marijuana. But the Fed holds everything up more than the state level. One issue that complicates the legalization relates to the Second Amendment, and the Department of Justice continues to argue in federal court that medical marijuana patients should be barred from owning guns because it's a danger to trust regular marijuana users to exercise sound judgment. And I say, in parentheses, what about wine, beer, and liquor? Do all of those fine folks always exercise Sound judgment? Uh, I don't think so. The second issue is that marijuana-related businesses cannot access the banking system due to the risk of federal penalties. The problem is serious and that a national conference of state legislatures announced a policy change to support a cannabis banking reform bill, which is really terrific. However, over here in Pennsylvania, we have a woman named Judy, Judy Ward. She is in Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania, and she is so not informed about what the plant is, how it works, etc. So Judy says it's a horrible thing because it will risk workplace impairment of employees who are operating heavy machinery. Again, I go back to, does Judy have wine, beer, and liquor? Judy needs to take a class in cannabis. I would love to do it. Yet another issue is that state 
laws classify any driver as impaired with a trace of cannabis in their system. Now, when you smoke cannabis, it does not leave your system right away. It could stay there for weeks. So that doesn't mean that you smoked like five minutes ago. That means that you could have smoked three weeks ago and get it's it's percolating around in your system. Excuse me. So we have a lot of challenges here, uh, but there are a significant majority of Pennsylvanians who support legalization for recreational use. And as I said, the difficulty is, is that with New Jersey rec, New York is going quickly. You have Ohio, you have Delaware. We're sort of in this terrible little pocket of stupidity here in Pennsylvania, and we're going to miss a lot of revenue, but oh well, can't do anything about it. Now, this is a really good one and very close to my heart. Um, having been in the transportation business for many years, I understand the difference in the misclassification, or should I say the proper classification of workers as independent contractors. Many, many people will bring on what we call ICs in an effort to avoid paying overtime. And I think that's really horrible. I had employees, please, I had ICs. My ICs were treated very well. They were paid on time for the work that they did. They could come and go and they could set their own hours. There is um, a list of qualifications to be classified as an independent contractor. And it's right in the internet. And I urge you, if you're interested, to go take a look at it. But a company right here in Pennsylvania called Pharmaceutical RX violated the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act mm -hmm. and the Pennsylvania Minimum Wage Act by not paying their drivers higher wages when they worked for more than 40 hours a week. I don't know anything about this company and I, I am not gonna condemn someone without knowing all the facts, but I would say Having been in that business, uh, you know, courier business for a long time, I know there were a lot of people who were skirting what they should have been paying and doing and whatever. Uh, I'm not saying, like I always say, I'm not a virgin, but I run a clean ship. And I think that you have to comply, especially you're depending on those drivers. They are your face to the public and you better treat them just like you treat your employees. Hopefully you treat your employees well. You must treat your independent contractors the same way. So there was a uh, class action suit, I believe, uh, because all the workers complained for an unspecified period of time and a lack of overtime pay. Pharmaceutical RX and its subsidiaries fired them and replaced them, the lawsuit claimed. So they were work, you know, they were acting up, says pharmaceutical RX, and guess what? Boom, they fired them. You know, that's just awful. So Pharmaceutical RX hired the five plaintiffs to deliver, deliver medical marijuana products to dispensaries in the Commonwealth. They were clearly employees. Now you have to, again, go prove that they were employees. That's a whole big other thing. And that the driving schedule was totally controlled by 
the company. The plaintiffs all used company vehicles and equipment to deliver the cannabis. None of them owned an independent delivery business, which you have to do. You have to have a separate book that would be, you know, under Claudia Post delivery driver. But they didn't have it because the owner wasn't paying attention. And that's his job or her job. Shortly after being hired, the drivers often complained they were being misclassified as independent contractors and asked for overtime pay. The lawsuit claims the company said it would correct the mistake, but, but fired them instead. Nice going, Pharmaceutical RX. So that's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post reporting for Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. From We Talk News, have a fabulous week. Things may not be so sunny in the Golden State. While California cannabis regulators have been working to reform the state's tax infrastructure for the industry, businesses may have another barrier to entry as a provisional license program in the state is ending. Provisional licenses provided a path for businesses to continue operations and maintain state compliance while they applied for more permanent annual permits. But that program is now coming to an end and state regulators now have three years to convert more than 8,000 of those provisional licenses to full permit holders. Cannabis could be more popular than people think. While most Americans willingly enjoy a nice cold beer or a cocktail, it looks like more of them may be looking toward the positive impacts of cannabis. Vote Pro podcast Phil Adams takes a look at the new poll and more in this week's DC report. Hi, this is Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast here at the Weed Talk News DC report. By more than two to one, more Americans believe cannabis has a positive impact on people and society than alcohol. According to a new Gallup poll, 53% of respondents say cannabis is good for those who use it. By contrast, only 27% say that alcohol is good for drinkers. Additionally, 49% say the use of cannabis has a positive impact on society at large, compared to just 23% who would say the same about alcohol. This despite the fact that cannabis is still federally illegal, while alcohol is not. Significantly, the poll finds that those who have actually used cannabis are far more likely to advocate for its positive effects than would the small fraction of drinkers who feel that way about consuming alcohol. Gallup surveyed 1,013 adults over a three-week period in July. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker said in a press release this week that changes to a standalone banking reform bill are needed for it to pass. Specifically, Booker says equity provisions must be included in the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act before it can advance. Booker, along with colleagues Ron Wyden and Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, have long resisted a standalone banking bill in favor of comprehensive marijuana reform. Last month, they formally introduced the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act in the Senate. Since then, however, they have expressed a willingness to compromise on the Safe Banking Act. Booker's comments coincide with a press release from the Cannabis Regulators of Color Coalition, which calls for a series of 10 equity-related amendments to the bill. Among them are provisions requiring institutions to prove compliance with anti-discrimination laws and a mandate for regulators to promulgate best practices 
toward achieving racial equity in financial services. While Boker did not specifically endorse any of the CRCC's amendment proposals, he did call for changes to the bill that would ensure support for those most impacted by cannabis prohibition. That's this week's Weed Talk News from the nation's capital. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. Here at Weed Talk News, we have told you about a number of lawsuits or legal controversies involving edibles that resemble popular trademarked candy. And it turns out the problem isn't exclusive to the U.S. Debbie Facey has that story and more in this week's Canada Report. Hi, and welcome to Weed Talk News with Debbie Facey, your Canadian correspondent, with your weekly joint of the week. Here and in the States, we have been battling with an infringement when it comes to Skittles. Skittles is a well-known brand between both mature and the young and has succumbed over a battle when it comes to marketing and branding. A lot of Ontario dispensaries have been selling these products where the infusion has either been laced over top or infused within the product and has been unfortunately landed in younger hands. With this being the case, Mars has been able to set a lawsuit on these five John Doe companies and have been able to per se win their battle. What we also have here in Vancouver, BC, Burnaby to be exact, is a strike of 33,000 workers where they are picketing right now at the border where their liquor and unfortunately their cannabis is supposed to be able to come through. With most of the stores in Burnaby having to deal with empty shelves it has landed them to have to figure out ways in order to still fulfill their customers' needs and have not only their empty shelves not empty, but still be able to somehow find a way to restock them. One thing that Toronto Pearson Airport is thinking about, the GTAA Association has been in talk about including a casino and a cannabis store in the airport. This is to help with their $700 million loss over the last two years due to COVID-19. And the obvious turmoil with the amount of wait times and complaints that they have been dealing with. So they have been reworking and thinking of ways to bring in revenue from different outlets and with different partners. Let's see how that happens. Once again, this is Debbie Facey, your Canadian correspondent for Weed News Report with your Canadian Weekly Joint of the Week. And finally, if you are considering a trip to Thailand on the heels of cannabis legalization in the country, you may want to think twice. Just two months after new laws were passed that have largely decriminalized the plant in Thailand, this week the country's health minister discouraged tourists from visiting the country only to smoke weed. 
Despite the country seemingly welcoming the medical benefits of the plant, the health ministry told reports bluntly, we don't welcome those kinds of tourists. People caught smoking in public risk facing a three month jail sentence or fines. So you may want to reconsider location if you're planning a cannabis vacation. And there are plenty of other options too. After all, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Remember to use it wisely. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. We will see you next time on the Talk News. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.